0: Hello and welcome to Clamp, the creating, living, and making podcast. I'm your host Adam Mackie and joining me as always is Morley Kurt. Hello. And the Grant Alexander. Hello. I called you the Grant Alexander yet again. again.
1: Every time I Every like time. it. Every <laughs> time. It's like a cursed yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, what's going on, boys? What have you been doing this week, Molly? Well, the cardboard project has finally been unveiled. Um, for those who did not see, I built a cardboard chair. It was many days of cutting and gluing together pieces of cardboard. My original prediction was that it would take about a month, but I... Was able to. I mean, that was the prediction. Like before, I started, and then by the time I finished the first day, I was like, I can probably get this done in a couple of weeks, and I think that's how long it ended up taking in the end. Was about two weeks of cutting and gluing together layers, um, and it was it was really fun. People seemed to really enjoyed it. I tried a, a bit of a different voiceover style that I think was pretty engaging. So like recording it all as talking heads, so I could overlay it from time to time. Um, Mm, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I think it works. How many?
1: How many hours do you think you have to make that chair? If you discount the like uh, prototyping stage and just look at it from, if someone were to build a cardboard chair, had all the cardboard ready, how many hours?
2: So I think I usually did batches of ten pieces, and I would say that. I would say that ten pieces cutting and gluing is about an hour, hmm. so I think twelve hours total. Wow, I don't know if that's a lot or a little. It that's is what it safe. is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but you could do it, like because looking at it, I went, if I just like did this the whole day, I think I could do it. And it's probably true. Yeah. I could do a tw- I could build one in a day. I'd hate my life, but I think I could do it. <laughs>
2: you no, know, but I, you know, I think this is the perfect project to intersperse while you're doing other things. Like, I would never do this all in one day. That would be horrible. But it was really nice to like, you know, I'd like be doing some leather work and want to take a break, go and cut some cardboard. Be doing some video editing, want to take a break, go and glue some cardboard, and it worked very well, like interspersed and everything because you know, like flattened out cardboard doesn't take up much space i could just store it against the wall as everyone who watches the podcast could see in the <laughs> background um yeah it was it was cool i mean you could do it on like a laser cutter even as well and just do it super fast mm-hmm. although for a chair you need a pretty big bed
1: <laughs> yeah it was a
0: cool um, project I, thank you i think it's uh, it amazes me how you made a video that is literally just repeating itself over and over, like literally just cutting and gluing the exact same shape over and over. Interesting for 10 minutes.
2: Well, that's good to hear because yeah. um, when I think when I started, I was I was pretty conscious of the fact that it would be easy to not make it engaging. And I think because it actually took so much more time than what I filmed, in some ways that made it easier because I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to film, the different angles I wanted to get. I filmed very little of it, you know, like I filmed a few time lapses, a few macro shots. I actually ended up even of the footage I used, I just scrapped like half of it because I realized it was just repeated. Like I got to like maybe like six minutes or seven minutes into the edit. And I was like, okay, like from this point on, it's, it's mostly repetitive. So. um. Did you have any issues keeping it all in line? No, because it's all. I just shot it chronologically, drops into the timeline chronologically. No, 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 no. The actual cardboard. I mean, like the layers. Um, I think you can kind of actually tell in the finished piece. The inside is like a little more screwy than the outside, which means that I got better as the pro- project progressed because yeah. I I flipped it between every layer. So as you go outwards, mm. it's later on. Um, it's actually kind of funny. Like the inside is a little raised and then as, as it goes down, it sort of like touches down like over the course of like an eighth of an inch. Um, but just going one layer at a time, it's not too hard to keep it in line. And I tried to gather all my layer, all my error rather on the underside so that the seat was always as, um, uniform as possible. Yeah. Cause you know, like cutting with a utility knife, tracing with a Sharpie, it's not going to be perfect, but,
1: uh, yeah, I was surprised at how, how good you got it? Just cutting it with utility knife. It looks yeah pretty right. pretty darn close.
2: Well, thank you. And In, you know, on
1: camera, it
2: looks really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I shot some macros. I feel like you know I didn't hide yeah. anything. Um, no, no. I mean, there's a couple things, right? So number one, I always cut. I always traced the same side of the master mm-hmm. because mm. it's double sided, right? So I mean, the other side's going to be a little different. And I always try to cut on the inside of the sharpie line since when you're tracing it right like the very inside of the line is going to be actually where you want to be right and then sometimes i'd I'd be getting too into my podcast and sort of forget but you know overall it it works out
0: that is actually a really great tip is to always trace your master and don't don't like get a new piece and trace that because you you actually extend on your any mistakes that you've made yeah
2: it could make an interesting effect to see how, like, the design progresses. But uh, if you want consistency. <laughs> one of the shares
0: is this one, the other is this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: It'd be a nice, like,
2: Get telephone some, uh, game, extra...
1: basically. If everyone exactly. passes their, like, every maker takes a template, traces it, cuts it, like, cuts it out, and gives that one to the next person. And at the end, you glue them all together.
2: Yeah. And, you know, on that, that would be an interesting way to add another dimension To cardboard furniture is changing the template size as you go through the thickness. Like you could add like a a seat dish Mm -hmm. to it by varying that thickness because this is really like you know two and a half D. It's just like a profile that's extruded. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. I'm really happy to have that all done and shared. I made a belt for myself because I bought new pants and I needed a belt for them. So I was like, "Well, I'm going to make a new belt." Um, and I'm currently editing the video. Do you have
1: one belt per pants?
2: No, I just don't have a belt right now. <laughs> um, I think I lost my last one in the move, but um, it wasn't like it. W- it was the one I made in the Rockies and had all the carvings on it, and it was it was cool and sentimental, but it was a little big, a little bulky, and it um, the cut of leather that I made it from it stretched a bit. And now I am better at leatherworking. So I just was ripe for a new belt. Okay. Um,
1: because I have before like. Before we seven move on, i to so quickly say. I,
2: I think you need to
0: rename the cardboard chair video to chair shaped cat scratcher.
2: Because yeah. essentially, that's what you've just made. She like barely scratches it. She really, really likes hanging out underneath while Cats it was. love
0: scratched cardboard.
2: Yeah, we have like one of those. Actually, the best cat toy I don't know if you have one Adam is you know th- there are these discs on the ground that have a white ball that goes around the perimeter and a cardboard scratcher in the middle and she loves that she doesn't really yeah. scratch it very much and while the chair was in the hallway like mid being made she would scratch it from time to time but um I don't know she more like scratching our legs trying to climb up us <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but that's what I've been up to um what about you, Grant? How has your week been?
1: Well, I have been the least productive I think I've been in like a decade um, because I uh, mm-hmm. threw up my back. Um, I, I think I did it while I was shoveling. Uh, there was some wet snow that came in and it wasn't very deep, but it was definitely not like the fluffy light snow. It was definitely like a, a good covering of, of of wet snow. And I was like, I could get out there and snow blow it. Or I could get some exercise and I could, you know, shovel the driveway because that's what I've been doing mainly this winter. It's been nice fluffy snow and I've been, you know, trying to get a little exercise because during COVID I have, you know, been very much not getting enough. Um, And maybe that's the reason why my back couldn't take it or... That's what you get for
0: doing exercise.
1: That's what I get for doing exercise is basically what it boils (laughs) down to. Um, And I throw up my back and uh, I've been like, I I, I say bedridden and I don't, and I know I haven't literally been in a bed or on a couch the entire time. I've been getting up and doing stuff, but that's the stuff I've been doing is walking around my house. Um, I haven't even left other than the physiotherapist appointment that I had today. I literally had not left the house at all. It's been really icy outside, and I just mm-hmm. don't want to be like, you know, y- when you have a sore back and you slip on the ice, you're just going to make it way worse.
2: Yeah, because mm-hmm. then it's like you can't control Jolting your reaction. Himself. So, yeah. exactly. Kind of, so it, it sounds like it you need to hungry. buy a flamethrower. Oh.
1: Yeah, well, if you've watched my camping video, you'd see that I already have access to one.
0: Oh, yes, you do too. Yeah.
1: So, but uh, the uh, they, they're not great at like they're great at a small area, but it, you know, I can't do my entire street like that.
0: I, I would definitely be the guy that just walks out with a thing of petrol and just pours it everywhere and just lights it.
1: And you would definitely be the guy who would have a whole Getting bunch arrested. of arrested. No, no, you'd just have <laughs> ice still after.
2: So I know uh, the okay. internet says that, like that's a thing for Canada, but I've literally never seen someone use one of those like fire to clear snow before. No, it's not. I don't. I don't actually don't think it would be a good. No. <laughs> there
1: there are heated driveways though.
2: Yeah. my Ooh. Actually, my high school had a heated path what? leading up to it.
1: Yeah. That it was, is
2: sick. It yeah. was a public school. Jeez. Flex-com? And
1: it was in America. so no. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, for those watching, you'll see that I have a different background than normal. Um, that's because I can't uh, – the back problems have caused me not to be able to sit uh, – at all so i've been uh standing mostly or laying down um and so i set up on if i guess it'll be gone as in my instagram stories but uh I, I posted a picture of my current setup maybe i'll post it up on patreon for uh those who want to see it there but uh yeah it's a coffee table on top of an air hockey table um and then a whole <laughs> well, bunch of a, books you
0: have a standing desk desk
1: yeah i got a standing desk desk, desk. uh yeah, but that's what – if you're watching and you're wondering where am I, I'm just in, in a different part of my basement. But otherwise, I've been up to uh, nothing. Thanks. Thanks. Man,
2: that's rough, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So so in other
0: words, you were me for a week.
2: But
1: maybe, but even less productive because I didn't even go to work, which is just sitting at a desk, but I couldn't sit. <laughs> Like I like five yeah. minutes of sitting, and my back was already killing me.
0: I uh, I went back to work today after eight days off. Ooh, wow. wow, that's rostered days off too. No annual leave. Anyway, um, I have been working on my workbench still. This project is never going to be done. Um, but I finally got the drawers installed. I. Well, I was planning on getting so much done on Wednesday. I was home with my baby who's currently has a tooth coming in and he slept an entire one hour, the whole day. So I got pretty much nothing done, but I got the drawers installed. So happy about that. Now got going to do drawer fronts and, and all that. But in saying that, cutting out all the drawer slides, I blew up my table saw. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if like a bearing has popped or what, but it's making the,
2: craziest noise and keeps tripping my uh, power board so so that's not fun so blow up is an aussie expression for broke right it doesn't literally mean that it exploded is that not a like yeah it's Uh, it's not something that's not a
0: universal thing wow okay totally universal
2: the first time you said it with on this podcast i was like wow it exploded that's intense (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, blow off. Is- I'm just clearing it up for the listeners. They might have the same confusion that I had. <laughs>
0: okay. Right. I thought Maybe it, it's it amazes me thing. when I say
2: things. Yeah, because
0: every time I say a thing and, and people don't like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. And like in the makers on Zoom and stuff, and it's just like I have no idea what is Australian and what's not in context of like phrases.
1: Well, I think yeah. half of it is because when you're typing in makers on Zoom, you don't proofread, so we have no clue yeah, what you're yeah, saying. I
2: yeah
1: (laughs) you're like i went to muckers the other day what's muckers
2: oh my god it took me forever to realize that that was mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) i just assumed it was like a regional fast food chain if you
0: literally type in maccas on google maps it'll show you all the mcdonald's around you maybe not like maccas.com it'll take you to the mcdonald's website it's crazy.
2: I'm, I'm well, doing it. Maybe even right. if you're in, maybe if you're only in Australia, but yeah. no, they probably bought the domain. So I'm, your table, yeah, like, man. how did your table saw stop working? Were you like pushing a piece of wood that was too big through it, or
0: what was, was the situation? No, I was I was literally running um, sheets, of uh, pieces of plywood through, cutting them forty mil wide. There was only nineteen mil, like three quarters of an inch thick. Um, but I think I think it just had enough. I think I let, I think I used it for too long. Because it's only a cheap saw; it's only two hundred dollars. Um, yeah, so I think um, I think I just used it for too long and didn't let it have a rest after a while, and it just burnt out. Did it like do one of those slow, like <sighs> sort of things? No, because I had um, I had had my Bluetooth headphones on with music playing, and I just heard this like really loud, like popping noise. Huh? And I took my headphones off, and then it like yeah, I heard it, and I stopped it. And I turned it back on to, again to see if maybe it was just overheated or something. And then everything just tripped out. Hmm. And I lost all power. Dang. Hmm.
1: Well, what are you going to do with that old table saw?
0: I have, well, actually, um, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm probably going <laughs> to use it for, no, I'm probably going to use it for parts to help with building my workbench. So, I'm actually going to night buy another table saw, the same one. Because they're cheap and I don't want to waste $700 on a Ryobi one. Um, but I'll probably use it for parts like for mock up and stuff because my plan is to um, to actually integrate that into my workbench. So, my workbench, so I'm going to get rid of everything to do with the table saw except for the motor, the saw, and then like the lifting mechanism and the power. And then that's all going to be built into the workbench. Hmm. So I'll probably use it, like, because I can use all the buttons and everything. Just the motor's blown, so I guess I can get everything ready to go and then just put in the new motor. I don't know. You want part?
1: I I would probably yeah. just get a nicer table saw, maybe a nice Ryobi one.
0: Yeah, but they're like seven hundred bucks, and I just can't justify it. <laughs>
1: and like
0: I, the way I'm building my workbench, it's go the fence and everything is going to be so much better than any job site table saw is going to be. So it's
1: gonna. Uh, I think that's gonna be really cool. I was just trying to yeah. poke fun.
0: At. I know. Plus, I think it'd be cool for people like to have that. I, I know that people love that whole homemade table saw integrated into a workbench thing. Mm. So I'm really trying to put a lot of effort into these this workbench like videos and stuff and and that. So
2: cool. Yeah. I mean, but it'll at least be good. Sorry, go on. Go on. Oh, no, no go on go. On. I was gonna say it might be good for just you know like those replacement little nuts and bolts to attach That's what i'm the, thinking too yeah attach the blade hold it in place those things that like might get sucked up by your shot back one time and you might accidentally throw mm-hmm. out
0: and you'll have yeah i was thinking that like i'll keep the rifing, the riving knife and stuff and if it gets bent i've got a replacement on that um mm-hmm. but yeah in saying that i do actually have a graveyard of like broken tools <laughs> that i tell myself that i'm gonna
2: do stuff with but probably never will yeah. The scenery shop that I worked at, um, under one of the big assembly tables, they had a tool graveyard. And just when a tool yeah. went, they would put it under there. And I wasn't there quite long enough to figure out exactly what the workflow is, what they do with those. But one thing that they did that, was re- that I thought was a great idea is they took broken random orbital sanders, took off the Velcro pads, and then would use those to make hand sanding pads, which That's are so like cool. so handy. Yeah, just to get, like, you know, like knock off a little whatever that, um, you know, like a orbital sandal will be too aggressive for. And those, those, um, spiky sanding blocks, the ones where it's like you take it apart into two pieces and you stab the sanding paper through it, are just so annoying. Like, just being able to have a velcro pad to put the random orbital sand pads on is like so handy. Yeah.
1: That was definitely a Jimmy DeResta like thing that he recommended in one of his tips videos. I'm certain of it. Um, was exactly that he's like, because he had so many Sanders from all of his sponsorship videos or whatever mm. is, but it, I, when you said that in the uh, chat, I just thought it was really funny. Cause the only thing that's ever broken on me on, on a sander is the Velcro stopped sticking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> at the end of it, I just, I would have had a really crappy, like just the, the sandpaper would be constantly falling off thing. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, I do think that's a great idea. If you have a broken sander, why not?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's tricky with, I think with tools to find good uses for them once they break, because a lot of times it's like the thing that makes them the most useful that breaks. Like if you look at like Matthias Wandel's videos, he will usually make tools from other appliances that are no longer functional, but the motor still works. But on something yeah. like a table saw or a drill, it's usually the motor that will stop working. So,
1: well, well one thing to, to bring talk about Matthias is he took a 13 uh, inch planer, like a lunchbox planer, and turned it into a jointer. So, built um, a, yeah. a like, like, turned it upside So then he had a 13 inch jointer, which would be amazing because then your jointer and your planer are in the same thickness.
2: That's funny. Why aren't planers wider? It seems like they're always relatively narrow or jointers. Yeah. Uh,
1: jointers. I think it's because of the way like to keep the cost down, it's a lot easier with a jointer. I think it's just very difficult to get the two, uh, planes to like be perfectly per like in line, but offset Mm -hmm. it's very difficult. And so the machining to get it wider, the wider you go, the better you have to have the machining.
2: Oh, do the, does the infeed and outfeed of a planer have to be at different levels because it takes off thickness as you put it through.
1: Uh, of a jointer, yeah. yes. yes.
2: Join, sorry. I keep saying planer. I'm just, I'm just yeah. probably really confusing for people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never thought. Well,
1: even, even what you,
0: even what people think of, even what you think of when you say planer isn't correct either. Cause it's a thickness. So. Yeah.
1: It's a thickness, thickness planer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's joint, I would say probably
0: also a safety a safety issue with jointer as well. If it's wider, you're going to be having more body over the top trying to put down weight and and what. Plus, space takes up so much space. They take up yeah. enough space as it is.
2: And I guess yeah, the classical use for a jointer space. as well is that hmm. with a jointer, you're usually only dealing with narrow, um, I don't know, passes narrow bits of material because the glue ups the glue up surface won't ever really be more than six inches wide unless you're doing something wild.
1: Great. But yeah. you need the thick, if you want to make something completely square, you need to have up like two sides flattened on a jointer. So if your boards are more than six inches wide, then you need to have, you can't run them over your jointer unless you, there, there's ways around it. Yeah. But it basically you need to have two flat sides or else you'll get a parallelogram once you go through the thickness planner.
0: Hmm. Hmm. But you you think if you had if you had something that was say twenty inches wide, and then you needed to plane, you needed to like joint the end of a plywood board for it not plywood board but say something an inch thick, you got to lean over that twenty inches to then plane one inch wide.
1: Right. Totally. I get. I can see that being so, problematic I, I, too.
0: Yeah. I could. I. I think. I think once you get into like bigger than twelve to thirteen inches, you're going to be looking into something that's going to be self feeding and all that sort of stuff.
1: That's probably and exactly what it is. More is that industrial. Anything, Yeah. Yeah. Anything bigger than that is, is they use either a self feeder or some sort of like thickness planar sled. Mm. Or they use a router sled that goes over top of it.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's, that's like the go to way, right? For flattening, especially big surfaces, is router mm-hmm. sled.
0: I think, um, I think once I finish my workbench and start, because I'm going to move all my tools into the workbench, that's where they're going to be stored. And then where they are now next to the mitosaur or on top of the mitosaur station is going to, I'm going to like build cabinetry into there and have more storage. But that's where my graveyard is. And I think I might finally actually throw away all my broken tools. Because <laughs> I have like a Ryobi, cordless Ryobi um, circular saw, which I told myself was crap, but like, really, it probably just needed a new blade. So I was always like, oh, I could use the motor for something. And then I have a couple of drills in there, which are completely burnt out and there's no use for them at all. But I keep telling myself, oh, like, what if I want to cut off the handle and like make myself something that I can use the battery with or something? I don't know. Yeah. Well
1: That's actually a really good point is that cut, like making, taking the battery connector, because if you have a whole mm. bunch of if you have a cordless drill that's dead, you could take that battery connecting part off and attach the wires to a light. Boom, you got a light. Attach it to anything, yeah. like attach it to the you know to whatever you want, and you save yourself the three dollars it is on Amazon um, from buying <laughs> one of those adapters.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, I mean, there's also this certain you know, type of making that I used to be really into is actually probably the first genre of maker videos that I got into. I don't know if you guys ever saw the YouTube account. I think his name was Greek gadget guru um, or Kip K and they were both really Kip K. I remember Kip K. Yeah. It was, you know, like hacking together, like a little flamethrower in the body of a lighter or like little Mm. sort of like miniature improvised weapons, like tiny crossbows, You know, those are the sorts of projects that are great to have all the, um, the greeblies and things from like a drill. Cause then you have like a pistol grip and you have, you know, springs and, um, wires actually in terms of prop making, that would be a great, if you wanted it to ever get into that, that would be great for saving old tools. Especially something like a drill where you've got the trigger as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I definitely think of prop making when I think of old broken stuff. Hmm. Because even just but even if you take something like any of the switches um, that you have on stuff can be taken off and used for other projects, I think the yeah. thing is if you're a woodworker and you want to build furniture, your old tools are probably garbage, and you're never mm-hmm. going to use them. But if you're a maker and you don't know what you're going to be making mm-hmm. next, it, it, it I could see it very difficult to get rid of them. Because yeah. the, the moment you get rid of something, the, you'll the literal it. you'll need it. <laughs> so yeah. it's like we, we uh, at my race car shop, we would take apart cars all the time and we'd save all the parts that we're never going to use on a race car. And we had like a whole bunch of springs and they were just taking up room and they're not easy to store and like if they fall over they go bling 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 and like roll away and it was really frustrating anytime that would happen so i was like screw it and i threw them all out and literally the next week my car broke a spring
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> wow
1: so i i know every single time that i've thrown something out that i've saved for like a year or two I've decided I knew what I wanted to do with it next.
0: I have my, um, my nail gun down in the cupboard, which I refuse to get rid of because it's like really expensive. And then keep telling myself I'll somehow fix that one day. I pulled it apart the other day. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Put it back together. <laughs> but,
2: well, I you mean, mean it's it's a, it's sense, it's but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good educational exercise as well. But It's like a $300 gun. Like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. It's just out of warranty, of course. I think you and know. Found out the hard way that all the tools that came with my um, the thousand dollars I won off Ryobi are worth the tools. I found out they all didn't come with warranty, so that's that's fun.
1: What? Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. I didn't pay for them, but still, yeah.
1: I I, I won't. Yeah. I have won stuff and uh, gotten an warranty on it because companies. Mm generally good companies who really care what they they're giving away not to give it like they're doing it to try and give back and if they give you a a bum tool, they probably want to Mm. support you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Develop a relationship that they might not a market that they might not have otherwise gotten.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you might not
2: have ever even bought that tool. Sure.
0: Well yeah, that's tools I bought when I did that was tools I wouldn't buy myself yeah
1: well, when we talk about fixing old or what to do with old tools, it reminds me a lot of how much harder it is now to get replacement parts in Canada. It's very, very difficult. You pretty much have to order from yeah. the states. I know in the u k or uh in the European Union, one of the two passed like a right to repair uh bill, which basically made it so that Manufacturers had to make spare parts available and had to make like certain things like consumer electronics, they have to make them accessible.
2: Hmm.
1: Like you have to be Hmm. able to get parts for the stuff. They can't be the only repair shop. They can be the only authorized repair shop, right? But they can't be like the ice the i store, the Apple store, um can't be the only place you can bring your phones to, right? Like, I don't know.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Uh here it's always we have to send it away. You can't really buy spare parts. Or if I want to buy a spare part, it's always the part that you can't buy. Like it's not on their list. Right.
1: That that frustrates me so much because it's mm. always like a single gear has gone and you have to buy an entire motor assembly. You're like which, okay.
0: uh, yeah. yeah, I actually was just reminded. Actually, my um my orbital sander, the so where the battery goes in, like the two prongs that stick out that would touch the connectors, one of them snapped off. Yeah, <laughs> one of them snapped off, and I got like a um a spade bit, like a spade um, connector for like electrical use, and stuck it on there, and that's what actually is making the connection. But it just occurred to me that I have a graveyard of tools with these problems in them that I could actually – because I couldn't buy it. I went, to, I went to the shop and said, oh, I need this part. Oh, we can't get that. You have to send the whole thing away and they'll fix it. Like,
2: no. Or at that point, just say, screw it and buy a CNC. You're like, I'm making all my own stuff. Right. <laughs> I need that little gear for my $100 drill. I'm buying a $2,000 CNC. Well,
1: This is why I think mm. it's funny when people buy cheap tools is they buy them because they can just they can afford to buy another one when they break. But if you buy yeah. really good tools, you don't have to do that because one mm. they don't break as much and two when you buy a good tool, the manufacturer sticks behind it so much better. I've found yeah. personally.
0: Yeah, and well that that's exactly what's happened downstairs. I've got two drills that are in the graveyard cuz I've just replaced them cuz they're cheap. But right. my nail gun I refuse to replace because it's not cheap. Yeah. I mean it, it's
2: Ryobi, but it's not cheap. Right. It is it is impressive sometimes when you actually go down the rabbit hole of trying to get something repaired by the manufacturer and mm. uh like what they will be willing to do. Like my I noticed my uh my watch was running slow. Um this is like a nice watch that like um I got for Graduating university, I was like, "This should this shouldn't be happening. This is a problem." So, um, I sent it in because it was still under warranty, and they're just like basically restoring it to new, and then they'll just send it back to me. Um, yeah, and it, I right, feel like it's it's, it's not something I have like a ton of experience with because I'm only 23 years old. But <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's nice to see sometimes, you know, like those companies that will really. <clears throat> Just be like, yeah, for sure. And actually, that's one of the things I really like about Home Depot is that if you don't want something, you can just bring it back and they'll give you a, like a full refund. And yeah. it's, it's such a great policy.
1: Well, so Walmart used to have that same policy and they've changed it because people would find ways to exploit it.
0: <laughs> Go buy a new tool and then take the old one back and say it broke.
1: They, people do that. People yeah. do the, uh, they buy it from another store on sale. And then bring it back to Walmart. Yeah. I think it probably works.
2: I think it works probably best for businesses that have like a very, not even very niche, but like a slightly more niche business model than Walmart. Cause I think Walmart's a little too broad to have that work. Well, like home Depot, I think they have like a pretty good idea of, you know, like so much of their merchandise is probably sold for either large renovations or for like right in the moment contractors need it. So they don't have, people that are commonly taking advantage of the return system. Whereas Walmart is like much more varied business.
1: And I think Mm. Home Depot also has uh, a lot of exclusive business. So a friend of mine had like designed a product, had it all like, and tried to shop it around. And it was like this thing, he called it the siding saver. It was just like a polycarbonate bent thing that would attach instead of like when you attach something to the side of your house with siding, it would just smush the siding. So this would save the siding. So you could like mount a hose reel to a, a piece of siding. Anyways, he wanted to to try and get it in different places. The only place he ended up, I think, getting it in was home hardware because they accepted it, right? They were just like, yeah, let's give it a shot, right? And everywhere else was like, we want exclusive deals. We want to order X amount and we're only going to be paying you like this tiny, tiny amount that would like only made sense if – if all of them sold and then they were also saying, and by the way, if they don't sell, we're going to like send them back to you. He's like,
2: mm.
1: I, I'm not good with any of this. Um, so and you wonder why
2: I... direct to consumer businesses are, are thriving right now. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, mm. So that's, there's good and bad about that. Like, uh, but I, it's the same. We, uh, I know a guy who builds a uh, race car roll cages and a big part of that is using a grinder um to grind like you're basically just chopping uh like steel tube and he use a lot of grinder work Canadian Tire often has these grinders i have one they go on sale for 30 dollars right He said for like five years, he was just kept buying like four or five of them at a time. He didn't care. He'd break them all and then he'd bring them back to Canadian Tire and they'd give him four or five brand new ones. Eventually, he said, you know what? It's not worth my time to constantly be switching out these tools. It's better to buy good tools in the beginning. But I think that's the last I'll say on my rant about buy the best tool you can um yeah whatever you can afford buy the best and then let's talk more about reusing old tools i'll start off with saw blades
2: yeah lots you can do those saw blades <laughs> right
1: so i made a uh, knife from one yeah you made a knife shane i sent him um a bunch of different saw blades and he turned them into a clock shane from uh flipping rejects so you know that's a cool way of using old saw blades. I know I put a band saw blade on my uh, tape dispenser.
2: Yeah. Drill bits too. I mean, I've made a, when I was doing a little bit of spoon carving, I made a, it's called coal rosing
1: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, knife out of a drill bit. And it's basically just like a knife. It's kind of like a swivel knife for leather carving. It has um, almost like an 80 degree angle bevel, like this really beefy bevel. And a drill bit is really good for that because it's hard steel and you have a ton of material to work with. So you can make this like really strong bevel. Hmm. Um, and I've thought about that before with like making other sorts of tools. Like drill bit, you just have all this stock that you can work with. It's this big chunk of metal.
1: So I, I've used drill bits for like if I ever have a an axle um, that I I want to – if I've ever want to drill something and then put a piece of metal in there, I just use the drill bit. Like on the tape dispenser oh, yeah. again. I drilled a I drilled a hole, and then I used the drill bit that I used. The, I just went. I you know I had a hundred of these for like nine ninety nine when they go on sale. So I just used the drill bit. Why not? And and if you have broken ones, that's great for that kind of thing because like resharpening a, a drill bit is a pain in the butt, especially mm-hmm. if it's a smaller one.
2: yeah. yeah. I think. This, I don't know if this is directly related to the topic, but I think it's an interesting point as well. I read this really interesting article recently um, about this woman kind of realizing how much stuff she had accumulated throughout her life. And she had just dealt with um, an elderly person in her life who had passed away and they had to deal with all of their stuff and you know sell it and give it away. And it was this massive, massive burden. And it made her realize like, I don't want to put this burden on my descendants. So like, I want to try to get this figured out before I'm old and can't do it anymore. And it got me thinking a little bit about like, I think something I've been realizing as I've gotten a little bit older and the fact that like buying something isn't simply just like, I need this thing. I have it now. When you buy something, you also then have to like deal with that thing for the rest of your life. And if you move And then you have to find a place for it. And I think, I don't know if if you guys feel this way as well, but like getting more stuff, there's a lot of times a lot more burden to it than just the monetary aspect of paying for it. And I think one of the nice things about buying good tools is that the care that you have to put into it feels a little more justified because... Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt like, especially if you buy like a bulky cheap thing, you're like, this takes up so much space, but I don't want to have to care about it so much because it's not even that nice.
0: (laughs) That's like me right now with all the wood that I have. It it was literally free wood. And I'm like, what am I going to do with all this? Yeah. I have too much. And all underneath my old workbench that I have to try and get rid of is just a stack of wood. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, it makes me realize why like, my parents, like there's been fights in my family before because, you know, like one of my siblings has like a pile of stuff in my parents' basement and they're like, you need to take this. And, I, and I'm and i thinking like, like what's the big deal? You have all this space, but for them, like they feel like the crushing weight of everything they've accumulated over their lives. Mm-hmm. And this, this little pile over there is like this unaccounted for thing that they just need like gone because it's this burden onto them.
1: Right. I definitely yeah. have had that similar conversation with my father who like lives in a four bedroom, two story house with him and his new girlfriend. And it has a two car garage attached to it and a four car garage in the back. And they're like, you need to clear out your closet. And my closet is filled with schoolwork that they saved. Like, <laughs> like, And I'm like, I don't. I don't even know what to say to that. That you, I need to clear out my closet in the house I grew up in of stuff that you saved so that you can have this, like, you know, normal sized closets, more worth of storage in your house. Like, it's just, yeah, just go, like, what is wrong?
0: He doesn't mind the four race cars in the backyard.
1: Exactly. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, you know, it's funny. He has my debt, my brother's like uh my brother, when he was like, you know, 19 or 20 or whatever, built like a fast and the furious style car. Um Really? Ma- yeah. Mazda protege five has a body kit and everything. Um And what happened is during the winter, he had it parked in the garage and I needed to use the garage cause my clutch went on my car. So we had to, you know, Cause we're, that's what we did. So we took his car out of the garage and we parked it on the, in the driveway and he had air suspension and everything. So he lowered the car down cause you don't leave it, you know, you don't leave yeah. it up, um, especially in the cold, whatever. Anyways, he lowered the car down. We do the suspension work or the clutch work on my car, get my car out of there. A couple days later, he goes to put it back up. Uses the air suspension to get his car lift his car. The body kit was frozen to the ground and ripped it off. Oh wow. <laughs> and oh no. He just never finished the car after that. What? Like the exterior was completely done. He had bought like two 15 inch subwoofers and like all these amps, spent five thousand dollars on like car stereo stuff and never oh my God. installed it because I need like he just wasted five thousand dollars on a paint job.
0: I need pictures of this car.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I'll find them. If you search uh too low MP5 on uh, Google, you should be able to find it.
2: Cool. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I was in uh high school and me and my friend wanted to build a sugar rocket, I don't know if you guys know about sugar rockets, but it's basically like if you mix sugar and stump remover, I think at a certain ratio, stump remover is like this chemical that's used to dissolve stumps. Um, you can make a rocket engine out of it. So we spent like a weekend going to like the hardware store and going to a thrift store to buy an old blender so we could blend up this like DIY rocket fuel. And we gathered it all in a basement in my childhood house. And after that weekend, like we never touched it again. And it was this bin of like random stuff, like PVC (laughs) pipe, chemicals, this old blender. And I'm thinking back and I was like, I would never... Do that now, because the thought of having like a bin full of all this random stuff tucked away somewhere and just taking up space, like, kind of makes my skin crawl. Like having moved, you know, like five times in the last six years or whatever, I'm just so much more conscious now of like the need to move things that I don't want to have to deal with that. And I think in some ways it kind of gets—it's always a consideration in making stuff where I'm like, is am I going to want to deal with this? in like a year or two. And it's kind of good in some ways because I don't tend to get super attached to the things that I make. So a lot of times it's easy just to like give it away or put it on the curb or, or sell it or whatever else. Um, but it's a consideration that I have that I I definitely didn't as a teenager.
1: I think there's like the Jimmy Duresta. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And I think if you have the space, it makes a lot of sense Um, but if you don't have the space, then it's very like, you need to make decisions. And a lot of people don't. Yeah.
2: And and I mean, like me and Jimmy Duresta live in two different worlds right now. I mean, I'm sure he is (laughs) in some ways. I would guess that in some ways he's thinking like, I'm going to spend my rest of my life in this house. And like, I don't know where I'm going to spend the rest of my, my life. And it's definitely not going to be in this apartment. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I am super conscious of like trying not to fill it up with things that I don't need. Cause like an empty room feels really good. And like, I want to preserve that feeling before it's filled up with stuff I don't care about. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard because
1: one day you'll go to grab something and you'll remember you sold it and now you need it or you remember you yeah. rented it instead of buying it and you go I really wish I had just bought that thing the hardest for me is that you can just borrow tools there's a, like a lot of times at Canadian Tire and like different mechanics tools you can just go in there and just say hey can I borrow a compression tester and they say no problem and then you borrow it and then you just got to bring it back within like, or else they'll charge your credit card, right? So you bring it back the next day, you've tested the compression on your motor. You're like, oh, okay. It wasn't compression, whatever. Bring it back. Mm. It's free, but I still want to buy one because <laughs> at midnight when I want one, it's not available. So it's, that's like, it's like, it's a thing of convenience. You know, it's, it's like owning a car. You don't need to own a car. Yeah. Taxi around, especially living in Toronto, you don't need to own a car. Taxi everywhere, Uber, uh like rent a truck anytime. Like go to Home Depot, they rent vans. Boom, you like you never ever need a car except for it's way more convenient.
2: It's so convenient.
1: It's great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean especially well, with know, the with the job that I might be getting soon, like I am not getting rid of my car anytime soon.
0: We went to Sydney yesterday, which we don't really do often, and we drove because you have to wear masks on public transport and none of us wanted to wear masks, so we just drove. It was the worst experience trying to find parking and like just driving around with so many cars around. I can just if I lived in Sydney, there is no way I'd own a car. Mm -hmm. It costs us fifty bucks to park for five hours. It's ridiculous.
1: You would probably own a car for those times where you leave Sydney.
2: Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I do. Like, I park my car. I mean, okay. So I spend like, how much is it? I think it's about $50 a month on top of my rent for a spot in the garage. And having gone through the experience of paying, I think, $18 a month for street parking and having to find parking and shoveling it out in the snow, that extra $30 a month to have a dependable spot where it always is, is so worth it. In addition to having a garage spot where I can you know, do some woodworking from time to time. And that is, like Grant said, like basically how I use my car. It's like 99% of the time it's in the garage. And then when I use it, it's usually like to leave the city. So I don't know you're, you're still paying the insurance cost, which like, especially in Ontario is not neg- negligible, but it's, uh, it's very convenient.
1: <laughs> it's the convenient. It's completely like, I have multiple cars and we don't leave the house. So like, <laughs> why, um, why not? I have multiple cars for the only reason of sometimes my wife wants the car and I want the car at the same time. Hmm. And that happens yeah. twice a year. And if we talked about it, we could probably get around it. But I don't want to, like, I don't want to have to worry about <laughs> scheduling it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Is insurance mandatory in Canada? Yes. It's like actual proper insurance, or just like um, liability in like an accident? So we we so so we have um we have what we call a green slip, which is uh, uh what do they call it? but it's compulsory insurance you have to have on a car every year and it all it does is cover ambulance costs for, and stuff like in hospital costs if you're in an accident for the person the so, other person but you don't have to have man, there's no mandatory insurance for like actually the vehicles themselves
1: right so we have the same thing except for yeah. it's that's the most expensive part <laughs> yeah same here right so the mandatory part's expensive yeah the other part is expensive um, too.
0: But. So actual car insurance, I don't know if you guys have them there, but here we have companies that offer like you pay per like for use, if that makes sense. So if your car sits in the garage for 99% of the time and you don't actually drive it, you pay on the kilometers you use per year.
1: Yeah. Ours is the, yeah. the minimum you can set up in Ontario uh, because I shopped around because I don't use my car. The minimum you can set up, I think, is 10K. Ten thousand yeah. kilometers,
2: hmm. and
1: Same. I think That's, in similar. five years I've put ten thousand kilometers on my car. So,
0: wow, I do at least twenty a year,
1: right? But I have multiple cars, and like yeah. cars I only drive in the summer. It's like I'm never going to. I have it six months of the year, and I have two cars. Like, well,
0: we have um, we have a couple of companies that specialize in like toys. If that makes sense, like show yeah. cars and stuff that yeah. will actually insure you just when you're using the, like taking the car out. And then it's only insured just sitting in your garage.
1: Yeah. Mm. So we have that too, but I didn't, I don't want that low. I want, like, that's a call ahead, tell them what you're parading. I don't mm. want that.
2: Yeah. So to bring it around a little bit to the topic. Um, oh, we have a topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think being hyper-conscious hyper of all the crap you surround yourself with can play into as well old tools. And you might just keep all these old tools around for the thought of using them sometimes. But I kind of operate under the philosophy of if I haven't like looked at something or cared about it in one to two years, it's pretty safe that I can get rid of it. And I think that's a pretty good philosophy to follow in general.
1: And I agree for where you're living. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, I think it's all dependent. I think it's all dependent on where you are and how much room you have and what you are one day planning on doing. Yeah. But I also look at it and go, I have a remote control airplane that I got when I was 17 that I never put together. I have the plane, the everything. I have everything to make this a flying. It's a kit. So you have to put it together. You have to build it. I've never put it together. I am much, 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 much older than 17 now. I am almost to the point where everything that's in that thing is obsolete because it's been so long, and yet I can't get rid of it.
2: Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, I'm sure there's something in your head which is like, this might be a really fun weekend project one day, and I get to kind of reminisce on this technology from my childhood. Sure. It'll just be passed down from generation to generation, never be built.
0: Yeah. Eventually, eventually, like your great, 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 great grandkid, to be like, why do I have this and throw it out?
1: Yeah. But <laughs> when talking about old tools and talking about what to do with them, is that you what you really need to do is you need to <laughs> make a decision, just like we're making a decision right now
0: to move on. <laughs> to move on. I was just laughing at the fact that you went on about saying that you're older than Cord and then talked about old tools. Yeah, uh, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Um, everyone that supports us on Patreon gets access to the pre-show and after-show. And we decided that we're always going to have a pre-show now, so there'll always be a pre-show and after-show. Also, get a awesome leather keychain uh, made by our one and only Morley Kurt. So exclusive that we don't even have them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Even yeah, if you mom. were a patron at one point. Mm. Oh, yeah, you were too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And sometimes we put some um, some stuff up on um, on Patreon that's exclusive as well. I think Grant's going to put up a picture of his stand desk desk desk. That's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash clamp. And we love everyone the us there we have um we have some news coming up soon that we could uh, have done if it wasn't for patreon and we thank you guys a lot yeah yeah mm. um
2: let's move on to video today that was super fun it has 70 million views so it's not uh it doesn't need my clamp mandation but i think everyone will enjoy it uh it's by a channel called experimental fun <laughs> And they made the world's sharpest kitchen knife, um, which is literally an aluminum knife blank with removable razor blades to take the place of the blade. Um, one of the reasons I want to recommend it is because, like, it is just bootstrapping, making with minimal tools. As like this dude's like in a bathing suit and bare feet, you know, cutting wood with an angle grinder—super, super janky. And he comes out with something in the end that's like really cool and it was a it was just like a good inspiration for like very fun project with very minimal tool set um simple materials with just a fun idea that was executed well and you know it's not you know it's not like uh craftsman knife making by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a fun project that um I thought was shown very well. So check it out. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.
1: The way you talk about it makes me want to actually watch it. It has been recommended to me at least a hundred times. I have now clicked. (laughs) I no longer want to see it because I hated the title. I absolutely hated the clickbait bullshit title
2: because world's sharpest kitchen knife. It probably is though. I mean, it's razor blades.
1: Razor blades aren't the sharpest things.
2: What's the sharpest things? A
1: scalpel. (laughs) Like they're okay, sharper but, things than the razor blades he used are utility knife blades. Like they're not even, like they're true. not even real razor blades. They're way sharper. Like, anyways, I just looked at it and went, yeah, whatever. I just think it was I enjoyed it. Big. It was fun. It was. But good now that you talk about it, if I'd known that he was using like minimal tools to make it, if it had said minimal tool blade, all you could always have a sharp blade. Like always have a sharp blade. I would have watched it. World's sharpest kitchen knife. I went. Go screw yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought for sure when you're shaking your head, at who the does this thing, guy think he is? Trying to get views? <laughs> yeah. If molly's talking, you were going to say he stole
2: your recommendation again.
1: Nope. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> uh,
2: also, it seems like a really cool channel in general. I want to see some of uh, their other videos. They're like just like fun little inventive things, kind of like I was talking like, before, like, like Greek gadget guru or Kip K, like. You know, like bricolage, making little weapons and a miniature operating toilet and stuff. Seems very fun.
1: Well, the, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I just hate clickbait. I don't know. I just hate it. I hate it so much. I'm to tell you. Maybe I'll watch it now that you've said it, and maybe I'll like the people, and maybe one day I'll message them and say, Can you stop being so clickbaity?
2: And they'll say, "No, the, this is working really well for me." Uh,
1: well, I'm the, definitely the, not going to do the, no, I have that's millions off. of subs. <laughs> this is why it, it pisses me off. Is because people watch it going, "Well, that's the world's sharpest," and I go, "It's not even close."
2: Hmm. They I didn't don't even I use don't razor blades. I don't know if people take hyperbole that literally. They do. Come, mm, come, you don't like,
1: know. I mean, if QAnon, like, come on.
2: Yeah, but OK, that's a very specific, you know, right.
1: <laughs> example. But those those people exist
2: and they they're do. clicking
1: on it going. This is definitely the world's sharpest. And I go like I could just make a piece of steel sharper than that thing. OK, I you could, but I get where they
2: put it. What is your for uh-huh. this <laughs>
1: Thank you for getting me out of that G rant. Um my mendation is a uh, is a video by Art uh, Mulder from Words and Wood. Um, he made a sit stand desk, and I've been looking into sit stand desks ever since I couldn't sit. Um, and the the what he actually did is something that I've wanted on a desk. Well, I have it on my current desk, and why I was I've, I've been looking for inspiration and in how to. To do it on a sit stand desk for a while, and he made it so that there's little like wings, he calls them, but they're like pull out writing spots um, that you would have that just like disappear into the desk, and you can pull them out and then you can write mm-hmm. on them. What I use it for is that's where I rest my arm on so that my arm always is uh, supported. So whenever I'm using the mouse, it's rested on this uh, little wing. Um, so he put one on each side of his little sit-stand desk, and it just kind of gave me the uh, like idea of how to do it. Because he just basically... I don't know. He, he built like... Because the problem with a sit-stand desk is often you need to support the rest of it. So he's just like, I'm just going to build boxes where there's no... Where, where I would otherwise need to have it. And I went, Wow, oh, why didn't I just think of that? Just like a, a very simple solution to it. And I just went... I should have thought of that.
0: Hmm. Uh, my clip nation, rec- yeah, Clintman nation. I don't know why. <laughs> Went say that wrong is um, a channel called DIY Creators. I I subscribed to this guy when he had like a hundred subs. Um, he was doing pretty much what I am doing now. He was building. He built a uh, workbench with a built-in um, homemade table saw. I am pretty sure he did it out of a circular saw though, which. It's cool, but really sketchy to me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how I ended up unsubscribing from him, but found him again the other day. He was recommended him to me. He has like almost 3 million subs. Killing Dude it. blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just got stuck into watching his content again. He's uh he's really good. He's a really great guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've definitely seen some videos by him. It's, hmm. yeah, he's... uh. Definitely got a great little channel going there. Almost, you guys with your like seventy million, like <laughs> seventy million views, three million subs, and I'm like recommending someone with like you know seventy thousand.
2: Um, hey, to be I have I've recommended some small channels before, but every once in a while you see someone who's who's killing it, and their results are showing it, and you just you just want to share something you found is cool. Unlike Grant, I don't rich shame.
1: I, I definitely shame. do. I, I rich
0: shame. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, cool. We normally would have Morley read a review at this point, but I don't think we have one this week. Um, so if you want to leave a review and where you're from or how you want him to read it, Morley likes to do impressions, yeah. tries to do impressions. Um. But yeah, so because we don't have a review this week, we have a tool tip. Now, I've been thinking about it while we've been talking about it, and I think my tool tip is going to be, you don't need that broken tool. Throw it in the bin.
2: <laughs> that was kind of the conclusion we came to. Yes. No, I
1: have See, one. I came to I came the opposite conclusion. I was like, I need all the broken tools. <laughs> yeah. so I'll send I, him over to you. Okay, cool.
2: Um <laughs> <laughs> this, this thing I've been fidgeting with throughout the course of the episode is a, a wooden chopstick. And I, I think I've talked before either on the podcast or elsewhere about how useful uh, the bamboo chopsticks are like Jimmy Duresta with the bamboo skewers. And with applying contact cement, what I usually do is I have like one paintbrush that I reserve for spreading contact cement because it inevitably gets caught in the bristles, gums them up, and then that paintbrush is useless. So I basically just use it as a paddle but what I did this time is I took the square end of the chopstick and I just whittled it into a paddle. And now this is my contact cement spreading paddle, and it's really perfect for that. So um, yet another use for the bamboo chopsticks.
1: Interesting. For For another use for bamboo chopsticks, if you ever wanted them, is for uh, mixing epoxy because the yeah. – the the circularness of them makes it a lot easier to for whatever reason stir it up. Um so if you don't have any chopsticks around but you do have old hardwood flooring like I apparently have t- too much of, you can take the the uh tongues from that and that's what I have saved up um and I use the tongues from that. They're not perfectly round, but I use them for stirring stirring up finish, stirring up epoxy whatever it is because I just have all these Tongues from tongue and groove hardwood.
0: I believe that was in someone's video about using scrap wood.
1: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It took him
0: a minute. Uh, Also, I want to thank uh, TF Turning for the theme song that Molly likes to sing every time at the beginning of the after show. So if you want to get that, again, head over to Patreon. Hashtag self-promotion. <laughs> uh what are we up to? Oh, I think that's everything. That's We're done. Cool. All right, you can find Grant at The Grant Alexander everywhere, including Twitter because he loves it. Molly at Molly Kurt everywhere, myself at Maker Mackie everywhere, and you can find us collectively at the Clampcast everywhere. Even on YouTube now. So if yeah. you want to see our ugly my, ugly faces,
2: well, head over to YouTube.
1: And my beautiful face. All right. I have something
2: kind of cool to tell you guys in the after show. So let's go ahead over there. I have an A
1: rant. I have an A rant for the after show as well. (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. Goodbye.
0: See you. See ya. All right, let's yeah. do it. Cool. Let me cough. <coughs> what do you want to say, Grant?
2: You turned uh, off your <laughs>
1: camera. You turned off you know, your man. camera instead of your microphone. Oh, you <laughs> 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 Sorry
0: <for> your Sorry, Bajor.
1: <laughs>
0: wow. Uh. Uh, that's funny. <laughs>